In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, Carla will question Abby's role working with Pete. Is she a little jealous? And then a little bit later, we discover that Rita is worried about Norris's decision while Gemma makes a heartfelt confession to Chesney. Um, some of you will immediately recognise that as the plot of Coronation Street this evening, and some of you will have simply no idea what's going on. Who's Chesney, you ask? I'm still at the level of wondering why Dirty Den isn't in Coronation Street, and of course he never was. It's a complex plot, and I imagine that if you start to watch Coronation Street, never having looked at it before, it's going to take you quite a long time to get into what's happening. Is Carla always jealous? What is Norris's decision? And so on. Um, this, this question of a very complicated plot is important because our Gospel reading forms part of a very dense story. And if you don't pick up some of the details, you lose some of the subtlety of what's happening. And if you forgive me, I'm just going to try and set out a little bit the plot of this Gospel reading. And this, by the way, is the earliest description of a synagogue service, the one given in the three Gospels. Um, Jesus goes into the synagogue on Shabbat um, as recognized as a, perhaps a community leader. He's invited to read one of the lessons, much as we would. He's given the scroll, he stands up, he's given the scroll on which the prophet Isaiah is written and winds the scroll almost to the end. That's going to take five minutes of people wondering what he's doing. And um, he reads a crucial passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the end of the passage announces in the flow, in the plot of the book of Isaiah, it announces the Jubilee, the year every 50th year when all debts are forgiven and slaves set free. Then he spends another five minutes rolling the scroll back to where it began, ties it, hands it back to the attendant, sits down and began, begins to speak. Now, the sitting down is an important part of the plot because only very senior religious leaders at this time were permitted to sit and teach in synagogue, or so we understand. So in sitting and beginning to speak, 
Jesus is saying in his home community, I am your teacher. And as we read, um, Jesus angers the people of Nazareth as the story continues and they start to try and lynch him. And he angers them because he has omitted one phrase from his reading of Isaiah. Isaiah, in the, as we have it, um, says, he has sent me to proclaim the day of God's vengeance and the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus has omitted the phrase, the day of the Lord's vengeance. And that was important because, again, in the plot, many Jewish people, we understand, were looking for the complete overthrow of the hated Roman Empire um, that was bleeding them dry in taxes and actually was keeping food short. And then, just after this passage, Jesus gives two examples of two great prophets, Elijah and Elisha, healing not Jewish people, but Gentiles. This is what angers people. And it's what angers the people of Nazareth, particularly, as Jesus, we understand, grew up there and his family lives there. Jesus is saying, right in the heart of his community, this scripture is not for you, it's for everyone. It's for the Romans as well as for us. It's hard for us to capture the flavor of that, but um, I invite you to think if you're a Remainer, and I say this morning, this scripture reading is God's blessing on those who want Brexit. And if you favor Brexit, what if I said, this scripture reading is a blessing on Remainers. God is with the Remainers. Um, I would expect, if I said such a thing, for there to be a queue of people at the back of church putting me right in one way or another. Of course, the truth is, God is on both sides and neither. But that's a, that's a, different, a different sermon. Um, Jesus is trying to break open his community's rather narrow view of God and open it up to embrace people who, were, who many people despised and feared. What if we were to allow a similar breaking open of our picture of God? What might we find? Well, 
if we go with the plot of this passage and the people of Nazareth's response, we find that God invites us into closeness. God invites us to follow the Messiah, but God never compels us. Um, The people of Nazareth threaten violence, has no power against Jesus. And God, similarly, never uses power to compel us. The gospel promises freedom, not coercion, violence, and control. And then the presence of God announced in this passage sheds a different light on all our values and who we are. The Gospel according to Luke is one half of a much longer text um, which begins with the birth of Jesus and ends with St. Paul in Rome. This is Luke's whole text shows how the Christian faith is inaugurated by the cross and resurrection of Christ and then flows far beyond the Jewish people where it began to the people of the Roman Empire and beyond. And this is the first, the first announcement of that great movement of the gospel outwards that has embraced us. But the presence of God announced here changes changes our values. And Luke is gently encouraging us to see that if we truly follow the God whose spirit is on Christ, we will look at the world and see not division and fear, but friendship and hope and openness. And then with God, we are rescued from chaos and fear. This passage proclaims release, hope, new beginnings. The vision of God offered to us by Jesus is saying that God is always with us as someone who will give us hope, lead us out of fear, and in the end, will never leave us. So, at this beginning of the gospel according to Luke, and it's important it's at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, after he returns from being tempted in the desert, Luke moves this story from its place in the other gospels to the beginning because he thinks it's so important. 
Jesus begins by breaking apart his community's narrow plot. He shows them the presence of God embracing all people, a presence which changes our values because we see that we are one human family, a presence that calls us towards freedom and life. One of the most um, remarkable sermons of Martin Luther King, the American Baptist preacher and freedom fighter, one of his most remarkable sermons of many, he said, it is always time for justice. It is always time for peace. No one must wait for justice and peace. That was his very perceptive comment on this passage with its depth of meaning changed by our Saviour. Our calling in this cathedral church surely must be this, to break apart our narrow pictures of God so that we can receive the whole story, the whole beauty of God announced to us in the Scriptures. Are we called to make this a place where justice and peace are not deferred to some future, but begin now, here, with us? Are we called to be people who live in the light shed on the world by God? May God give us grace to hear with open ears and hearts the first sermon of Christ. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. <clears throat>